0: Good evening and welcome to our service this evening as we have the opportunity again to gather and worship wherever we are and to give our thanks and praise to God. I'm going to use some words from uh, written by John Leach that I downloaded just to start us off in our service this evening and it says this, from different lives we come to worship From good weeks and bad weeks, we come to worship. Bringing great times and painful memories, we come to worship. Needing healing, needing peace, we come to worship. With hope in our hearts, we come to worship. To the Almighty God, we come to worship. To the King of kings, we come to worship together we come to worship. And we start our time together with the words, and can it be? Let us pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you indeed that you broke the chains that, um, that bound. You came in and you healed people. You in your life transformed the lives of those who came across you and you continue to do that because of your death on the cross. We thank you that as we meet tonight in our homes across this land and further afield that we come and we worship and you know each one of us and you love each one of us. And so Father God, as in our time together, we just acknowledge and give praise to your name. We love you and we declare how great you are. Father God, in all that we do this evening, may it be uh, just bring glory to your name. And Lord, through it all, may we be open to your leading. We ask this in your name. Amen. Hebrews 1, at the beginning says this, in the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he'd provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Lovely, isn't it, those words from Hebrews. I've been rereading them as part of um, my challenge to read my way through the scriptures this year. And as I read them um, a, a few days ago and as I was reminded... As we looked at these words, and I've just reread them again, our hope is built on Jesus, and all because of all that He has done for us, we sing again. My hope is built. One of the things we learnt during the Bible series is about the art of Kintsuji, the Japanese art of repairing broken pottery by mending it with lacquer mixed with gold. And and so therefore this broken vessel sometimes is worth more than it was complete because of the way that it has been made and once again been made whole. And Andrew Ollerton, as he was talking in the teachings during the Bible series, he was reminding us that our lives were whole, but they've been messed up because of sin. They've been messed up because we're, we're broken people or, we, or things have happened to us or we've done things to ourselves or to others that means we are no longer the people in a sense that we were born to be because sin has come in and, and we've kind of ruined the life that we've been living. We may think that we have little value ourselves as we look back over our lives. But the one thing we were reminded of in the Bible series and as Andrew Olatun was teaching is that God poured out his love on this world. He loves each and every one of us. He doesn't care in that sense about our messy and sinful lives because the love of God has been poured out into us. That art in the sense of kintsugi, of making something damaged into being made whole and more valuable is what God has done through his son on death on the cross. And we And our broken lives have been made whole again. And we are more beautiful and valuable than ever we were before. Because God's love has made us whole. We may feel that we have no value, but for God, we are so valuable. We were so valuable even when we were messy, he sent his son. And he loves us as his children. He's made us whole. And he wants us to declare how amazing he is and to acknowledge that love to the people we come across day by day and to share that love with others so they too may may be made whole themselves and know the value of what it is to be called a child of God because they've come and allowed God's love to be poured out like that liquid gold is poured out into that broken vessel to make it whole once again. Our next song reminds us that we may have been wretches, but the amazing grace of God has come and made us whole. Hopefully you will have got your notice sheet and uh, you'll have been engaging with it. And uh, it's great to know that once again, we can um, just continue, even though we're not able to see one another, to continue in our walk with God week by week. Do read your notice sheet, see who it is on there that needs our prayers. And we'll be coming to a time of prayer in a moment. But we want to uh, give thanks to uh, the faithfulness. Thank you, Ruth. Uh, You won't be watching this, but we want to give thanks to you for your willingness to continue to come in day by day and to put things together like our notice sheet and to keep us in touch with all that's going on. And can I encourage you just to keep an eye on what there is um, for all ages to be able to continue the life of RBC maybe even if we're not actually together. And we're looking forward from next week to be able to uh, hopefully gather again on Sunday morning in person and on the Wednesday following that, uh, as hopefully once again with COVID, we are able to reopen because, uh, um, and, and gather in this place. Um, if you've not been able to offer yet to steward, can I encourage you to do so, to en- enable us to open again safely as we gather and worship in this building as we're able. Don't forget you'll need to pre-book as before. We want to say thank you too for your ongoing giving. And as we come to our time of prayer now, we're going to start by giving thanks to God for those gifts that we have given before moving into a time of prayer. Let us pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are able to give to you day by day, week by week, month by month. Lord, we recognise that in all that we give, you give us so much more in abundance. But Father, in what we give, may you use it for your glory in your name. And Lord, as we think about our world, Lord, we recognise that your hands have formed this world and every part is shaped by you. The waters tumbling over the rocks and the air and the sunlight. Each day, Lord, we see signs that you make all things new. We thank you for the joyous spring. We thank you for the joy of the new bulbs coming out. We thank you that yours is the soil that holds the seed, that you give warmth and moisture too. We thank you for the sprouting blossoms and the crops and the buds. We thank you for the trees and the plants and the season signs that you make all things new. We thank you for the joy of walking in this creation and being able to see your creator's hand at work. But Lord, we recognise that we also stand in a world that is desperate to hear your voice Lord, we know that Revelation tells us that you stand at the door and knock and if any hear your voice and open the door, then you will come into their house and eat with them and they will eat with you. But Lord God, we know that there are many who have yet to open that door of their heart to you. And so we bring them to you this evening and we ask, Lord, that you will just... Speak to them and and let your spirit move within their hearts. Those who've been seeking during lockdown, Lord God, this is the moment tonight when they will indeed open that door and invite you to go in. Help us, Lord, to hear you and to respond. And Lord, as we think about our world, we recognise that there are many who continue to be refugees and asylum seekers who are facing closed borders or may be locked in detention. Lord, as we walk our streets, we recognise that there are people who are home- homeless and left out in the cold. Or Lord, who have had to free their own homes because of fear and because that you, um, they, they don't know you and the place that they are living is unsafe. Father God. We pray for all those who are exiled and outcasts and who are struggling and who are living in dangerous conditions. Father God, draw close to them, we pray. And Lord, we pray too for those who are hungry in this land, whose only kitchen is a soup kitchen or via a food bank whose only food is what others don't want and whose diet depends not on planning but on what others can give to them. Lord, feed your people, we pray. Help us in our skills and our consciences to not think only about ourselves but about those who we live amongst. And we pray now for the hungry and those who need feeding. Lord, touch them. Help them, strengthen them, we pray. We pray too for those in our world who are just struggling because they are being treated badly by the big companies. Those whose fields are being farmed for our benefit and yet they receive such low wages in return. Whose economies have been burdened by debt and are unable to reach out day by day to feed their families. Father God, that's not the world that you wished us to live in. That's not the way you wish us to treat one another. And so we pray for the injustice that is taking place in our world. We pray for those countries which seek only to empower the, those in authority and have no regard for those who are weak. Lord, we pray against tyranny and um, authoritarianism, and Lord God, we pray for compassion and for justice. Father God, we pray for your mercy here in this world. And Father God, we pray for those on our notice sheet who need a touch from you. You, Lord, know each and every one of those situations. You know those who are suffering and grieving. You know those who are hurting and who are finding life tough. Lord, as we bring those on our notice sheet and those who are heavy in our hearts before you, Father God, touch them, we pray. May they know that sense of kintsugi, that, that sense of your love pouring out upon them now, we pray. May they know that they are loved and are more valuable than they themselves think they are. May they know that for themselves in a fresh way, in a new way, with a fresh anointing from you this evening, we pray. And we pray for our mission workers across our land, both in this country and further afield. Father God, we lift them before you and we pray a blessing upon them, both now and in the days to come. And we thank you that wherever we are, in our homes or whichever country in which we are living and watching this, Lord, we thank you that you taught us to pray the prayer you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, we pray, our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We sing again, you're the word of God the Father, and then Ian will come and share our Bible reading with us this evening before he unpacks what it is that God has laid on his heart.
1: Matthew 24, starting to read at verse 36. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the sun, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be for the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the su- at coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be walking the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be g- <coughs> grinding up with, their, with a handmill, one will be taken, the other will be left. Therefore keep watch, because you do not want, know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of a house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not let his house be broken into. So you must also be ready, because the Son of Man will come in at an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant, whom the master who is put in charge of the servants in his household, to give them their food at a proper time. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing this. so when he returns. Truly I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But so that, suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away for a long time. And then he begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come one day and when he does not expect him and at the hour he is not aware of, He will cut him into pieces and assign him to a place with the hypocrites, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. May God give us understanding of his word. Thank you, Vicky, for leading the first part of the service and preparing for this. Tonight we are beginning a new series on Sunday evenings where we're looking at some of the main events coming up to the end of Matthew's Gospel before the Easter story. And throughout the series of Lent we're just going to go and dip into one or two of these and to ask ourselves what is God saying to us through them. Tonight we've got this passage from Matthew 24 about the second coming of Jesus. Jesus spends quite a bit of his time talking about his coming again. But what he doesn't do is give us the whole story. Most of chapter 24 of Matthew's Gospel is Jesus answers his disciples' questions about the end times. And in this sermon, we're going to see what Jesus' response was. But the first thing we need to see is that what we don't know is when he will come again. In Matthew 24, verse 36, it says, about that day or hour, no one knows. And verse 42, again, it says, therefore, and keep watch because you do not know what day the Lord will return. We're clearly told we do not know the day that the Lord will come. Yet, people this hasn't stopped countless people over the last two millennia from doing it anyway. And trying to convince people that they have the answer and that they have the date. Listen, if ever you hear somebody saying the end day will be, ignore them because even Jesus didn't know. And so why do we think we are better? God has not revealed that to us. It's often said that we're not on the planning committee, we're on the welcoming team. Welcoming Jesus back. And we need to be very clear that we are not the ones who have this superior knowledge. And we also need to encourage people who are biblically poor from buying into the myth whole cults and whole alternative religions has been built upon a, a leader saying I have this knowledge and if you want to be saved you must follow me and time and time again they have been proven wrong yet people still follow them Jehovah Witnesses are case in point where they have on t- several occasions said the end to that time will be, and it's not happened. Many of you will know that I'm actually pre-recording this serving service, and um, it's interesting because I am preaching, but it might not go out because Jesus might come again before that. But he might not come back for another thousand years or more. We do not know. But we're told, to live as if he is going to come back. And so we need to study. Just some, as some want to dig deeper into the deepest and obscure details about the end time passages in the Bible. Some become so with it, obsessed with it, at the exclusion of the whole of the rest of the Bible, And as they do that, often they end up looking down at those who don't have their level of passion for these obscurities. And they also tend to get more confident than they should on the detail of how it's going to happen, what the end times are going to look like, exactly what's going to happen. The Bible does not make it clear. Listen, if God wanted you to know exactly the time and the processes, it would have been laid out. The Bible is quite clear about the birth of Jesus. It will be in Bethlehem, in the town of Judea. And all kinds of other prophecies that went round around that. But we don't have that specific about the second coming of Jesus. All we know is he will come again and we should be ready. And so yes, it's important to study Scripture, and I'm not knocking the importance of studying Scripture, but let's not start to do forensic taking apart and trying to build a scenario that the Bible does not make clear. Let's take it more seriously, the parts of the Bible that is made clear. You see, the Bible makes some parts of the the commands of Christ really clear. Go and make disciples, care for the needy, feed the hungry. The Bible is not ambiguous about these things. To have the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things that we should be working at and actually have a passion for. And spend more time thinking about the things that the Bible's clear about than the things that the Bible is not clear about. Because as Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24 goes on, it's a constant theme in that of getting ready. Next week, Jan's gonna unpack the next chapter. But we'll see that in that, that Jesus is coming back someday, and we don't know when. We hold fast to the certainty that he is coming back again. Jesus talked about his return. The angels at the Ascension talked about his return. The apostles talk about his return. We know that Jesus is going to return. And we know at that point that there is going to be a judgment. And we know that those who have put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. The Bible is clear. So let's get ready. But as we get ready, let's get as many people to know that truth as possible not by rant or by great coercion but by giving us giving the passionate story of the love of God to all we know being ready is about doing what God wants us to do yet we are so distracted by these things, by things at the moment, aren't we? And it's maybe the distraction has stopped us actually focusing on being ready for Christ's return. We're distracted things by things like money, entertainment, fame and politics. But as we look at Matthew chapter 24, it says in verse 37, for as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding, one will be taken, the other left. And so, we need to be careful that we are not distracted from the cause of being ready by money. The God of Britain is probably money. It's a thing that we seem to value more than anything else. It's how we evaluate who winners and losers are. It's how we gauge people. It's what we spend our time desperately running after. And we are getting distracted often from the more important things. Second thing, entertainment. We love our Netflix. We love our Instagram We are addicted to our phones and Facebook. We love being entertained. How much of our life are we wasting staring at a screen, getting distracted from the more important things? Fame. Many today long for more than anything else to find fame. It is considered to be the most important thing. It might be getting TikTok famous or just having a Twitter post go viral. In so doing, though, we are basing our life values on the fleeting approval of other people. We're getting distracted from the more important things. And politics, dare I mention politics in the church, but many today find their identity and purpose in political arguments. While certainly politics has some importance, many Christians today seem to put ultimate importance on it. We're getting distracted from the more important things. And so, as we have just seen some of the things that distract us, and you may have your list of other things that are distracting you, let's come back to the facts. Jesus will return. We don't know when. Will we be ready? And what does ready be look like? In the last part of Matthew 24, there is that parable of the faithful and wise servant being ready and the fact that the point that the servant was supposed to be doing what his master had instructed him. Those of you who are parents maybe remember those times when you sent your children to tidy their room and they went up probably after some protesting and it's not fair and a stamp of feet, maybe even attempt at a slamming of a door. And they went up and they maybe started and then it went quiet. Half an hour later, you start to go up the stairs and you call out, how are you getting on? And you hear this sudden movement in the bedroom as they are... uh, Getting on with the job, saying, I am just doing it, realizing they have been caught not doing it. And as we take our discipleship in Jesus Christ seriously, we need to ask ourselves are we Jesus ready? Are we ready for his return? Are we ready for Him to come right now? As we look back earlier in Matthew's Gospel, in Matthew chapter 7, there we have Jesus giving the Sermon on the Mount and talking about true and false disciples. Let's read it, Matthew, Matthew 7, starting to read at verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we did not prophesy, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you, away from me, you evildoers. And Jesus continues with the parable of the wise and the foolish builders, the story we all know, but therefore everyone who hears these words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fail because it had a foundation on the rock. But everyone hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. Like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a crash." Both those stories point to the one who obeys and puts into practice the words and the teachings of Jesus. If you are regulars at RBC or online, you'll know that I come from Devon. And uh, I'm very proud to come from Devon, the Promised Land. It's a beautiful place, and as you go to and the coast, you'll see these great big cliffs. But if you are local to Devon, you know that these cliffs are not as solid as they look. Most of them are made of sandstone, a red-coloured sandstone. And when they get wet, very wet, and saturated, often parts of the cliffs will fall away into the sea. And as you look at them just after a cliff fall, the whole sea for probably nearly a mile around has gone red as the rock is dissolving into the sea. It's not a firm foundation. And there have been many a case of people buying or building houses on top of the cliffs because they want their spectacular view. Only to find a few years later, or in one or two sad situations, even shorter time, that their house is now part of the sea, as the cliff below has eroded and their whole building has lost its structure and fallen into the sea. And so it is with our lives. Jesus teaches us to build on a firm foundation, to build on something that is solid. And what is solid but Jesus and his words. That's what we're called to build. Because one day there is gonna be an almighty storm when Jesus comes back again and only firm foundations will last. If you built your foundation on money, that's gonna dissolve, on fame. We all know that you tend to be famous for five minutes before it goes. You may have built your foundation on politics and then find that the political leader has failed and fallen away. In fact, most things in life, stocks and shares and that, will come and they will go. But the one thing that in 2,000 millennia, And 2,000 years and over the whole of history that has never shaken and never failed is Jesus Christ. And when the day comes, the real day, when Jesus comes back again, that foundation of him will not let us down. Jesus spent his whole ministry advising and telling us to get ready and to build our lives and put our trust in him, to wel- welcome others and bring them into our faith because he will not fail us. And so I want to ask the question today are you ready? Have you built upon a firm foundation? Have you built your life upon something that will last forever? If it happens, if Jesus comes back at noon tomorrow, that's not a prophecy or a prediction, it's a if, you know. But will you be ready? Or have you got the list of things that you say, yes, I need to get ready and I'll sort it out when, when, what if you are too late? As we go back into earlier Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 24, before that part where we read, and I want to read two verses from 11 and 12 of Matthew 24 and many false prophets will appear and deceive many. Because of the increased wickedness and love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm till the end will be saved. It's a frightening idea that many will be lost because we leave it too late. get it sorted. The Bible is clear, it teaches us that Jesus will come again and we need to be ready. It's no point saying, I'm sorry I was just... think about the parable of the ten virgins. It's no point trying to give an excuse, the note from your mum will not help, the note from your teacher will not help. We've had warning. And we have been shown the absolute love of God who longs to bring us into a relationship with him. Now, let us get ready. Get Jesus ready. Examine ourselves and ask ourselves, if Jesus comes, will we be ready? Will we be ready to hear those words from our Saviour? Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Let us pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we just praise and thank you for your great love for us. We adore you, Lord, because you have made it possible for us to have a firm foundation. And Lord, we pray today that as we worship you, as we come in relationship with you, may we know your hand upon our lives. And Lord, if there's anything within us that needs to be sorted, Lord, point it out for us, point it out in this moment. That Lord, we will know your restoration and your help. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our final hymn this evening is that great hymn, when peace like a river, it is well with my soul. Thank you very much for being with us at RBC this evening and we pray God will have met you where you are and you will know God's peace and help. And now may the blessing of God, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with each one of us this day and forevermore. Amen. As this service concludes, There'll be a piece of music playing for you to stop and reflect to. You shall go out with joy. God bless.